The Impeachment Witch Hunt with Greg Jarrett. After sitting on their hands and listening to arguments for a week in President Trump's impeachment trial, senators were finally allowed to pose their own questions. It proved to be illuminating. As is often the case, the first question was the most penetrating, the most important one. It got to the heart of the Democrats' principal accusation regarding why they contend the president should be removed from office. Democrats claim that when Trump asked Ukrainian President Zelensky to look into what Trump called troubling actions by former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden, Trump was seeking a political advantage against a prospective opponent in the November presidential election. This, argued Democrats, was an impeachable abuse of power and the basis of the first article of impeachment approved by House Democrats in December. Trump's legal team countered that the president had every right to ask Ukraine to examine and produce any evidence of a potentially corrupt act by a U.S. public official. The act to be examined was Joe Biden's demand that Ukraine fire a prosecutor who was allegedly investigating Burisma, a Ukrainian natural gas company that employed Hunter Biden. By any reasonable and objective standard, Hunter Biden's employment was highly suspicious and very unusual. At a time when his own father was serving as vice president and in charge of Ukraine policy for the Obama-Biden administration, Hunter Biden was being paid $83,000 a month to sit on the board of the natural gas company, despite having absolutely no experience in the energy sector and no experience in Ukrainian affairs. So the question put to Trump's defense team by Republican Senators Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney was read aloud by Chief Justice John Roberts. This is a question for the counsel for the president. If President Trump had more than one motive for his alleged conduct, such as the pursuit of personal political advantage, rooting out corruption, and the promotion of national interests, how should the Senate consider more than one motive in its assessment of Article 1? More than any other question, this one needed answering. Setting aside whether Trump was genuinely motivated by electoral gain, Deputy White House Counsel Patrick Philbin explained... The presidents often make decisions that have multiple or mixed motives. This is an obvious truth. As I argued in my last column, nearly all presidential actions involve some ancillary political calculation. Sometimes there is a dual or overlapping purpose. And history is replete with examples of how presidents, including Abraham Lincoln, have rendered decisions that benefited themselves and the nation simultaneously. This does not mean their judgments constituted somehow an abuse of power. If it were otherwise, nearly all presidents would be impeached and evicted from office. Philbin reasoned that all elected officials are mindful of how their conduct will affect their political standing because... There's always some personal interest in the electoral outcome of policy decisions. 
In asking President Zelensky to look into Vice President Joe Biden's threat to withhold $1 billion in U.S. aid from Ukraine unless that prosecutor investigating Burisma was fired, Philbin explained that Trump had a legitimate public purpose. Mr. Chief Justice, Senators, um, in response to that question, um, there are really two layers to my answer, because I'd like to point out first that even if there was only one motive, the uh, theory of abuse of power that the House managers have presented, that subjective motive alone can become the basis for an impeachable offense, we believe is constitutionally defective. It is not a permissible way to frame a claim of an impeachable offense under the Constitution. So, but I'll put that to one side and address the question of mixed motive. If there were a motive that was a public interest but also some personal interest, we think it follows even more clearly that that cannot possibly be the basis for an impeachable offense. Constitutional law professor Alan Dershowitz was even more animated in defense of the multiple motives argument when he spoke on behalf of President Trump's defense team. Every public official that I know believes that his election is in the public interest. And mostly you're right. Your election is in the public interest. And if a president does something which he believes will help him get elected, in the public interest, that cannot be the kind of quid pro quo that results in impeachment. Dershowitz once again cited the example of President Lincoln, who encouraged General Sherman to grant his men leave from the battlefield to return to the state of Indiana to cast votes for Lincoln's re-election in 1864. Did Lincoln use the power of his office for personal or political gain? Of course he did. Was it an impeachable abuse of power? Here's Dershowitz. Would that be an unlawful quid pro quo? No, because the president, A, believed it was in the national interest, but B, he believed that his own election was essential to victory in the Civil War. Every president believes that. That's why it's so dangerous to try to psychoanalyze a president to try to get into the intricacies of the human mind. Everybody has mixed motives. And for there to be a constitutional impeachment based on mixed motives would permit almost any president to be impeached. How many presidents have made foreign policy decisions after checking with their political advisors and their pollsters? If you're just acting in the national interest, why do you need pollsters? What do you need political advisors? Just do what's best for the country. Dershowitz then tied his constitutional analysis together by stating this. But for it to be impeachable, you would have to discern that he or she made a decision solely on the basis of, as the House managers put it, corrupt motives. And it cannot be a corrupt motive if you have a mixed motive that partially involves the national interest, partially involves electoral, and does not involve personal pecuniary interests. And the House managers do not allege that this decision, this quid pro quo, as they call it, and the question is based on the hypothesis there was a quid pro quo, I'm not acting the facts. 
Only an unlawful act by the president would be impeachable, Dershowitz concluded. Yet House managers have not alleged a crime or violation of law in their articles of impeachment. Stay right there. We'll be right back after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. The defense argument blending history, precedent, and common sense renders the prospect of the Senate calling new witnesses, such as former National Security Advisor John Bolton, superfluous. For the sake of argument, let's assume, as the New York Times has reported, that Bolton's upcoming book recounts how President Trump mentioned in a conversation that he wanted to withhold $391 million in U.S. security assistance from Ukraine unless that nation investigated the Bidens. Let's further assume that Trump's motive was, in part, political that still does not meet the proper impeachment standard for several reasons. First, can anyone truly argue that the behavior of the Bidens was not suspicious enough to merit an investigation? Democrats' own witnesses said it posed a serious conflict of interest. Evidence produced by Republicans during the Trump impeachment trial has raised the specter of influence peddling and self-enrichment. Video clips were played of the media asking persistent questions regarding the Bidens and airing stories suggestive of corruption. This demonstrates that President Trump had a legitimate basis to ask Ukraine to scrutinize what happened. It was a matter of public interest. Even accepting that the leaked story about the Bolton book is accurate, a president wanting to do something and actually doing it are two very different concepts. Lots of presidents want to do things that they choose not to do. After delaying U.S. military aid to Ukraine, Trump released the funds to the nation without any strings attached. No quid pro quo ever came to fruition. The idea, if there ever was one, was discarded. Importantly, President Zelensky and his foreign minister both stated They were never pressured to investigate anything and, in fact, had no idea that American aid was temporarily halted until well after the fact. So President Trump may have talked with John Bolton about conditioning aid to Ukraine on an investigation of the Bidens, but such action never occurred. To remove President Trump from office for merely discussing something with a senior aide is to turn Congress into the equivalent of the thought police, where contemplation is tantamount to an impeachable offense. Finally, there's the matter of John Bolton's suspected breach of confidential communications with President Trump and the disclosure of classified material. Presidents have the right to obtain confidential advice to engage in private deliberations without the intrusion of the legislative branch. This principle of executive privilege has been recognized and respected since President George Washington invoked it more than two centuries ago. It's a paramount privilege when matters of national security are at stake. President Trump's conversation with his national security advisor 
is likely covered by executive privilege. It is deeply disturbing that John Bolton would have the temerity to write a book that would breach the privilege and then profit by it financially. Three days before the New York Times reported its story based on, you guessed it, anonymous sources, a senior director at the National Security Council sent a letter to Bolton's attorney. The letter warned that the manuscript submitted to the council contains significant amounts of classified information, including some at the top secret level. Under federal law, and perhaps as well under the non-disclosure agreement that Bolton signed as a condition to his employment, publication of the existing manuscript could subject him to criminal charges. The Times reports that Bolton has already circulated his book manuscript to close associates, something Bolton denies doing. But if the newspaper report is correct and those individuals did not have the highest security clearance, the law may already have been broken. And whoever leaked to the New York Times could also be prosecuted if the information conveyed was deemed classified. Regardless of the security issues, senators are still not entitled to pierce the veil of executive privilege unless President Trump weighs that privilege or the federal courts determine it doesn't apply. Is this really worth a protracted legal battle for the Senate to gain access to a purported presidential discussion of a quid pro quo that, in the end, never actually happened? To pose the question is to answer it. I'm Greg Jarrett. Be sure to pick up my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.